0: Transport for the North podcast. Hello and welcome to the Transport for the North podcast. I am your host Gemma and today I am delighted to be joined once again by Lucy Jakes who is our Acting Head of Policy and Strategy here at Transport for the North. Hi Lucy, thanks for coming back. Hi Gemma, pleased to be back. Excellent. So, You're here uh, to talk to us about the next set of policy positions. So, listeners, if you didn't tune in to Lucy's previous episode, she told us all about the strategic transport plan that was published in 2019, why that's so important. And then she shone a light on why we're working on the revision of that document, so STP. Two. So if you didn't get to listen to that one, please do make sure you go back and have a listen because it's a great insight into the importance of this um, strategic document and why uh, Lucy and the team are so hard at work over the next kind of 12 or 18 months to to, to do the revision of the STP. So, Lucy, last time you told us about the first two policy positions that are being developed. So, again, for, for listeners who haven't yet listened to that, earlier episode the policy positions are helping to set out tfn's position for lack of a, a better word at the forefront of my brain um on certain issues and what they do is they enable us to kind of you know set out our stall set out what it is the north needs where it's going with regards to key issues that will then feed into the the fuller stp document um, as we go along last time Lucy we spoke about active travel and multimodal hubs and today you're here to tell us about the newly published spatial planning and rural mobility policy positions now I know both of these are really interesting uh, topics and I'm sure many of our listeners will uh, have awareness and, and thoughts and experience as well so Let's start with spatial planning, please. Tell us all about this um, this position, what it is, why it's so important, and what those um, what those sort of actions and ambitions
1: are regarding um, regarding spatial planning. So spatial planning, and what I guess the context in terms of why we've been developing a policy position around this, because you know it's not necessarily transport per se, but there's so many interlinks with it, and I guess that that essentially is the context for why we felt the need to clarify TFN's role within this remit, but also how we will work with partners. So fundamental to what TFN does in terms of, you know, developing the business case to support investment within transport within the North, to deliver the economic growth aspirations of the North. Spatial planning is so fundamental to all of that. So, you know, ultimately for us to make that case and to understand what future transport we need within the north what the current transport provision looks like we need to understand that spatially and you know with the amount of partners we've got partners have their own spatial aspirations we need to understand where where growth is planned um, and think about what the transport interventions to enable that growth need to be so spatial planning and transport are so interwoven we felt that we couldn't think about developing our second strategic transport plan or stp2 as we refer to it without clarifying you know the role of tfn in terms of spatial planning how that's so pivotal to what we do in terms of building our evidence base helping us tell the story about transport within the north and 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 what's required really so so that ultimately is the context in which in which we've developed this position, if you like, I was just going to jump
0: in there. And say, as as with all of the all of our work, really, it's the interconnectivities, isn't it? You know, and this, you know, we're talking spatial planning, and obviously we've got a transport focus, but we absolutely recognise and and um, bring in the the economic prosperity, the kind of you know social mobility aspects, and you know, and, and and highlight the importance of again, you know, that joined up bigger picture approach.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You're right. You know, we need to understand where people live now, where businesses are located, but also, you know, what the aspirations of that are in the future. The North wants to achieve economic growth. And so so that is planned spatially at a local level. So, you know, that's really important. But equally as well, you know, we need to also work with our partners to help them and to make sure that within their own spatial plans that they're developing at that local level, so local authority level, etc, that that reflects the vision that has been agreed through our original strategic transport plan and and will be maintained in our second strategic transport plan around the north's aspirations at that pan-regional level. So, you know, it, it links both ways, really. We need to understand what's happened locally, and that feeds in and supports our work, but equally local partners need to understand the bigger pictures because clearly, you know, how people travel goes beyond kind of local authority boundaries and and that's where TFN really comes in. You know, it's about that pan-regional connectivity that you talk about and thinking about I live in Darlington I work in Manchester as an example you know that's across a number of administrative boundaries I'm traveling and that's the thing for people they don't see you know administrative boundaries so that's where TFN's kind of original STP and STP2 comes in in terms of that pan-northern vision but we need to make sure that partners understand that aspiration and that's reflected in their own plans as well so that's kind of the context to 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 why we've we've developed this proposal around spatial planning. And it's very much just trying to solidify, you know, the role of spatial planning and supporting our STP, both in terms of developing STP2, but also in the delivery of of essentially the vision that we want to see. So that's kind of what we've been trying to do there. Just to go into a bit of detail around the policy itself and Mm -hmm again, as I've touched on uh, in the previous kind of chat we had around, of all of our policy positions, what we're trying to identify is the challenges that the North faces or or within this kind of policy landscape, but also the opportunities. And then within those opportunities, what is the role of TFN? So what proactively are we going to do to kind of support partners make that case to government etc so that's very much with the spatial planning work the vein in which we've looked at it as well so there's five kind of core actions that we've identified with partners within this space that's definitely a role for tfn so the first one of those is about building links with local planning partners to showcase not just the added value we can provide in terms of their own local plan development through our modelling capabilities our wider evidence base etc but also building those links so that we can understand you know what's happening at that that local geographical level and making sure we're reflecting that in our own work so you know building those links is really critical and the people that are working within that remit not always but perhaps sometimes are actually different to the traditional kind of groups of of people we engage with through TFN's current governance structure so you know as you know primarily we engage with transport planners but spatial planners often sit within different teams within local authorities and as much as they work together we really need to kind of build those links with the people that are developing you know the spatial plans so we can really kind of make sure we're getting the most relevant and up-to-date information to kind of feed into our own work and also to make sure they're well cited on what we're doing. The second kind of core role for us within this space really is about then using, once we've established those relationships, it's about using those to collate evidence from our partners um, around, as I say, what are the current spatial plans and aspirations, where are people wanting to build houses and locate Kind of businesses in the future, what do they think their growth aspirations look like for their local area? All of that stuff is really important for us to understand. But also, as part of their their process of defining that for their own local area. They also have to go through a process of developing their own local plan. And so, again, they're all on different timescales in terms of where they are in that process. As part of TFM, we've got 20 local transport authorities that sit under us, but 73 local authorities. So, you know, it's vast and we really need to understand where different partners are at within within that plan-making process so we can make sure we're engaging with the right people at the right time. Um, So that's really key and also within this space it kind of links to another core workstream for TFN which is our Northern Power's Independent Economic Review. So essentially what that is, is a piece of work that was first completed in 2016 that kind of set out kind of the economic ambition for the North. And it's very much been kind of the foundation of TFN, of our original strategic transport plan, of why we need transport investment, et cetera. So alongside the work we've been doing on spatial planning, we've been working with colleagues within TFN that are leading on that Northern Powers Independent Economic Review process to make sure that we're collating that evidence in one place because the practitioners and the teams that they liaise with, again, go beyond transport. So they include spatial planners, people leading on skills, on innovation, you know, there's a number of different kinds of facets to the IER work stream beyond transport. And, and so they've got some really good links in there to to understand what's happening at that local level. So so building those links and, and getting that big picture of what the aspirations are, but also where people are in that process is really important for us. And it's definitely a role TFN can play to coordinate all of that really.
0: Yeah, again, and we touched on this last time, but one of the key things that that, that jumps out as you're talking us through this this work is that It is about creating those links between different parts of the north and um, between different kind of areas of, of, of ambition you know it's not always just about transport you mentioned the the research of the NPIER that's a five-letter acronym for those who are um, keeping count you know the ambitions of of you know creating jobs and economic growth as well and again you know keep saying I think it's my buzzword but you know joined up bigger picture thinking not just about transport on its own or, or any of these other kinds of aspects on their own and should say of course that the um, the full documents are available on our website so if you head to transportforthenorth.com and get to the strategic transport plan page you will find links to the full documents so Lucy has given us a fantastic insight into spatial planning there but if you want to read it in full it is available online. The other policy position that's just been published is on rural mobility now the north of England is blessed uh, to have some of the most beautiful and greenest areas in the world really I don't think anybody's going to come and argue with me for saying that I won't suggest which side of the Pennines is the most beautiful in that aspect we can have that debate another time but that presents challenges for getting around for you know linking things up for being able to take a new job opportunity to go and study further afield uh, you know go and visit friends and family or, or go on your holidays and so on and and we're doing so much work in the area of of, of rural mobility and outside of this policy position but but tell us about this position Lucy on on rural mobility what what it's telling us and and vitally what it is we can we can do those those action points that
1: we can um, take forward this is a really key area for us rural mobility as you say you know a large part of the north's geography is rural areas and the transport solutions in rural areas are very limited. Public transport is challenging, you know, lots of historic, lots of bus services have, have been cut. It's difficult for local authorities to provide public transport options in rural areas, so there's a lot of car dependency within rural areas, and. Again, all of this plays in the context of our decarbonisation strategy and government's net zero commitment. So if we're serious about delivering, you know, a decarbonised transport network, we need to really think about solutions at that rural level because you know, on the surface at the moment, it's really difficult, you know, traditional. Solutions you would want to see operationally sometimes don't work at that rural level. So what we've been doing within this area is working really closely with our partners, particularly our rural partners, to unpick this issue a lot more. So again, as with the other policy positions, we've identified a series of challenges. The context in which they're operating is really challenging, but also there's a series of opportunities and definitely a role for TFN to play to really drive this agenda forward. I think it's fair to say that historically, a lot of the conversation publicly about transport over the last 10 years, probably, has been talking about rail, these big rail schemes we hear about, you know, and obviously they're absolutely really important to the UK economy, to to people's lives across the UK, across the north, etc. But, you know, some of those solutions, they're not going to have a direct impact on people in rural areas. So I know from feedback from our partners, at times it's felt like they are not forgotten, but, you know, perhaps not always top of the priority list in terms of thinking about big transport infrastructure requirements um, and how we deliver net zero etc so rural mobility is really critical actually and there's really strong appetite from from tfn and our partners for us to do much more in this space so so that's very much kind of framed the thinking and, and i guess the rationale for for mm-hmm. developing this policy position particularly it jumped out me
0: you you know kind of talking about sometimes the the big towns and cities in particular seem to get a lot of the attention so you know Manchester Leeds Bradford even my hometown of Warrington not that big in the in the grand scheme of things but seems to get be a lot of the the noise going on about these and it's important that we recognise that the more rural areas the areas that we don't always hear so much about also have their their challenges you know it's not just about bringing. HS2 to Manchester and whether you know the new station at piccadilly is underground or overground we've got to think on the the rural and the slightly more kind of local and and, and dare i say it kind of low key issues and challenges and opportunities sometimes you know it's not always about HS2 and and and, and you know the the, the grand schemes sometimes it's about a local bus service that may only run once a day but if that does the job and that's needed then we also
1: need to be highlighting those areas of transport as well absolutely and across all of this often when we think about if it's decarb etc decarbonization and the ambitions around that etc you know it becomes easier for us as transport practitioners to understand potentially what transport solutions might be needed to deliver that in an urban area so like say in a city area city region even places i guess on, on suburban kind of areas feeding into core cities, it's easy to understand what the transport interventions might need to be to deliver decarbonisation, encourage mode shift, etc. That thinking about the solutions in rural areas becomes really challenging because they don't have strong public transport networks often, you know, they may well not have rail facilities, you know, anywhere nearby. So what are the mobility solutions moving forward for places like that? And that absolutely is a often overlooked kind of piece of the transport puzzle that we really need to do further work on. I do know, for example, that the DFT are currently developing their rural mobility strategy. And that that is dovetailing off a previous piece of work they did on their urban mobility strategy, which has previously been published. The rural mobility strategy is being developed now and they're hoping to look to publish something later in the autumn. But as part of the conversations we've been having with the department, with partners, it's not as easy to think about the solutions within this space. So with the policy position that we've developed and the conversations we've been having with partners while we've been developing this, we've really identified some really core actions, actually, that as much as they're not overly complicated in terms of actions, I think they can be really powerful, actually, in moving this agenda forward. So the first of those is facilitating a TFN partner working group around rural mobility. Um, And in developing this policy, we kind of look to establish that. And there's been really strong messages from partners that they want us to maintain that. And why that's really important is even in that first session that we had, we brought together a number of partners that kind of identify with being a rural area and the challenges that come from that. But equally, even within that session, there's so much happening in terms of trying to identify potential innovative solutions to rural mobility on the ground. But sharing of those lessons learned doesn't always happen. And actually, often they're doing similar things, but they're not aware that others are doing that as well. So there's absolutely a role for us to play in convening those partners together so that actually we can work together to think about solutions. So that was one of the, the core actions that we're taking forward. Link to that Um, we're also planning to undertake a call for evidence of our partners. So again, from those discussions that we had today, it's really clear that there's a number of different demand-responsive transport pilots happening, rural mobility pilots happening in different areas. So whether that's, you know, the concept of it's not necessarily a bus, it's not necessarily a taxi, but these kind of rural demand-responsive kind of bus services that are being rolled out and And there's a number of pilots of that happening across the north and across the country at the moment. They're all, as I say, pilots. So they've been funded either through competitive funding bids from government or by local partners. But it's all kind of a piecemeal approach. And historically, that's been one of the issues within this space is, you know, there's been some really good practice happening. But how do you make it a sustained model, actually, moving forward? And again, if you want to shift people's behaviours, and particularly if you live in a deep rural area you want to convince that people to perhaps not utilize their car as much you know you really need to provide confidence to the public that there's alternative services and that they're reliable and that in six months time that service is still going to be there so pulling all of that together and understanding you know the pilots that have been happening what are the lessons learned from those what are the opportunities for us to work together moving forward? What might our asks be of government to kind of support this in the future? How do we work with the private sector to incentivize, you know, perhaps some rural mobility solutions that traditionally have been thought of not really operationally working in a rural area so you know this concept of uber or car clubs etc things like that are private sector led and often that's very much based on where they see a core demand but is there an opportunity to create a false demand and pool this information together around what's happening on the ground what's needed and then collectively we can think about solutions so very much that's kind of the remit we're talking about in terms of the actions for rural mobility There's also an opportunity. So another thing that we really need to do and to understand better is the rural need. So what are their transport requirements? What are their demographic challenges? You know, what do people in rural areas want to see? What's putting them off using public transport if it exists? Really understanding, you know, the rural need will help drive the solutions. So again, there's some interesting thinking as part of our work around how we engage citizens to understand all of that better and then evidence that to support business cases around what else is needed and making sure it's a sustainable funding model. And then I think the final kind of couple of things I'll just say on this one are rural mobility is, is a key area, not just for TFN, but also for the other subnational transport bodies. So we sit uh, with the other SDBs and there's a number of working groups in which collectively we recognise that the issues based on rural mobility will be similar issues in a rural area in the north as to similar issues in a rural area in Cornwall. Some of those things are even beyond regions, the challenges and the opportunities kind of transcend regions. So you know, we're working with the other SDBs through a working group to share best practice, to share our lessons learned, to share our thinking and collectively work together to think about these solutions and how we all learn from each other, because I think that's really critical within this area. And again, it's about, you know, another fundamental part of all of this is about how we influence government to understand that this has to be a priority. So going back to that point I made earlier about it has often felt. At least in a national media perspective, as a kind of forgotten transport issue, almost. We talk so much about, like, say, city regions, and that's absolutely important that we get the right transport for those areas. But equally, we need to also start to be thinking about what are the solutions for deep rural areas, for our coastal communities, because the current transport provision is challenging across the whole of the north, and there's improvements we want to see. But equally, as well, that level of challenge differs depending on your geography so it's about making sure that everyone has access to our opportunities.
0: Yeah and and again I've, I'm going to sound like a, a broken record particularly for those who have listened to the past um, your previous episode and then this one back to back but all of those themes and those really important ways of working around joining up the thinking, bringing partners together, sharing evidence generating insight from the people of the north because they're the ones who use our transport networks we need to understand as as you explained you know what it is they need look at the ideas and the opportunities learn from elsewhere and then figure out how we take some of these things forward make sure they're joined up make sure we're kind of all working together on the on the, the bigger issues that's not not only confined to the north Again, if people want to read the full policy position, it's on our website. So please do go and take a look. But Lucy has given us an absolutely fantastic insight there, a very thorough explanation um, of these areas of work. And um, I don't think anybody would come back and argue with you, Lucy, about how important it is that we are working on on, on these kinds of issues and that we are doing that through the, through the One North approach. At the beginning of your first episode, we looked at um, the first STP in 2019 and, and why we're revising it. So we've now got four policy positions that have been um, published. I know there are more policy positions to come, which you can tell us a little bit about, um, but also just gives an insight into the, the timeline now between now and sort of
1: 2023-24 when STP2 will be um, will be published. Yeah, I mean, the high level STP2 timeline that we're working to is ultimately we want to have a draft of our second strategic transport plan approved by our board next March. So March 2023. What that will then do is it will enable us to undertake a full statutory public 12 week consultation that we have to do as a statutory body over the summer of 2023. There's then a bit of time to obviously look at the comments back from that revise the strategy based on those comments before we would take that back through our governance process so back through our board hopefully in december 2023 for final sign off and then we'll publish it and then that'll be adopted. And, and and that's STP2 ultimately. But like you say, feeding into that between now and then, there's an awful lot to do um, across the whole of TFN and a lot of work to do with our partners. So there's a number of different kind of work streams that we're working through at the moment internally that will be feeding into STP2. Things such as developing A policy position around social inclusion is going to be really key. So we've undertaken a really innovative piece of work to look at transport related social exclusion. So what that looks like in the north it's a very evidence led piece of research. And now what we need to do is we need to translate that research and that evidence into policy. So what are the policies that we need? What are the solutions that are needed? What are the actions TFN will take forward versus what others need to consider? So that's going to be a really critical piece of, I guess, our evidence base really for STP2. And um, There's a number of other things that are also happening. So I mentioned that Northern Powerhouse Independent Economic Review, which is essentially, you know, the North's economic ambition. We're currently undertaking a piece of work to relook really at that as well. So to, again, in, in terms of all of that context of the economic, political, social landscape and the changes because of Brexit, COVID, every, everything that's happened in the last four or five years, you know, we really need to go back and look at that economic ambitions now and check and test that with partners, but then also think about perhaps how we develop and understand that in light of different scenarios, you know, so the future isn't certain, and thinking about, you know, potential different economic futures is is really critical. We're also developing some further policy positions, as you say, so, you know, there's a piece around electric vehicles, so we've done some really interesting research around electric vehicle charging infrastructure, what that currently looks like, what that needs to look like, so again, translating that evidence and that research into a policy will be important, so what do we want to see within that space moving forward what will, what role will TFN play versus what role do others need to play. Similarly we're doing a piece of research and a, a, a bit of policy work around local connectivity so this is about thinking about different places within the north so again you know going back to that point about what a rural area's needs are versus a an urban area is a complete difference so looking at the different places we've got in the north and thinking about this concept of 15 minute cities, 30 minute connected places, what that needs to look like for different geographies. So, so that'll be an interesting piece. And then beyond all of that, you know, there's, there's the building blocks for STP 2 So that's all kind of the evidence and the policies. But alongside all of that, we do need to do some really key bits of work with our partners over the next kind of six to nine months to really go back and relook at our objectives, our vision. Is that all still right? Do we want to amend that? But also, how do we make those objectives more meaningful? So, how do we make them more outcome-focused? Do we look to set targets or trajectories of where we want to be aligned to our original STP objectives? So, that should be a really interesting piece of work. We're also looking at developing a policy and place framework. So, you know, what are our core work streams? What needs to be true to deliver that in different places so you know really thinking about how we put the user at the heart of what we're doing making sure stp2 is place-based and outcome focused is really really what we're going to be focusing on over the next six to nine months.
0: I can't believe you're going to fit all that in Lucy to the next couple of years and nice to hear you reference so many of the different aspects of that work that many of our colleagues are involved in so you know electric vehicles um social exclusion you know on, on all of these different aspects that are, that are underway or, or soon to get underway that all feed into that bigger picture really ambitious plan for the north of England and and, and one that will very much be set in the context of the past few years and uh, what we can look forward to in the future and and the challenges and opportunities that we and our partners our members and our people and businesses right across the north are are, are telling us about lucy thank you so much for for joining me once again on the podcast and telling us about this fantastic piece of work there is so much more still to do so uh, for our listeners please do stay in touch with us Uh, one of the best places to do that is on twitter uh, we share breaking news, all the latest information, uh, notices of all our um, kind of publications, upcoming meetings will all go on to Twitter as and when they they happen. so that's one of the best places. If you'd like a weekly roundup of our top stories, then be sure to subscribe to our All Points North newsletter. That'll come into your inbox once a week. You can sign up to that on the homepage of our website. If you scroll down to the bottom, there's a little box to put your email address on. Um, and of course, keep listening to the podcast as well. If you've missed any of the previous episodes, please do go and have a listen, uh, especially Lucy's previous episode to, to help give you the grounding and the background for the strategic transport plan work. And I think that's all for today. And, and, and thank you once again to, to Lucy for so generously giving your, um, your time and your expertise for our listeners. No problem. Thanks, Gemma. Thanks for listening to the Transport for the North podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe on Spotify and SoundCloud so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook for all our latest updates. And join us on our website where you can find all the latest news and sign up to our All Points North newsletter.